This podcast is thanks in part to a generous grant from the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. Coming to you from the Dietitians and Nutrition Support Dietetic Practice Group, this is the DNS Member Podcast, where we explore topics relevant to our field. From support line content to nutrition celebrity interviews and everything in between, this podcast is where DNS members can go behind the scenes and explore the driving forces behind cutting-edge nutrition support. I'm your host, Christina Rollins. Let's get started. Hello, everyone, and thanks for listening to the DNS podcast. Our guests today are registered dietitian nutritionists, Prasanna Navarasam and Ali Wardwell, here to talk with us about their publication in the April 2023 edition of DNS Support Line, entitled Diversity Awareness in Nutrition and Dietetics. Prasanna is an experienced registered dietitian with several years of varied professional experience spanning across acute care, long-term acute care, clinical nutrition management, and diabetes management. She has her master's and postgraduate specialization in food and nutrition from Women's Christian College in India, and is also a proud alumna of Framingham State University in Massachusetts, where she completed her coordinated program in dietetics. Persano's recent accomplishments include completing the DNS Advanced Practice Residency in Nutrition Support at the Cleveland Clinic. She is a certified nutrition support clinician who is passionate about using the gut, critical care nutrition, and accurate diagnosis and documentation of malnutrition. She is also passionate about diversity initiatives and giving back to the community. When not in the critical care unit, she loves to travel and spending time with her son and her Jack Russell. Her pet peeves include MPO greater than five days, low albumin consults, and inappropriate use of parenteral nutrition. Allie is a clinical dietitian at Milford Regional Medical Center, also in Massachusetts. She started her career as a campus dietitian, later transitioning into acute care, and has devoted her practice to community hospitals for the last five years. She believes that dietetics is one of the most invaluable areas of healthcare and is passionate about fostering empowerment through food and nutrition. Her areas of interest are nutrition support, critical care, and patient education. She is a graduate of Syracuse University and completed her dietetic internship through Russell Sage College, where she discovered her passion for clinical nutrition. Outside of her career, she dedicates most of her time to raising her two young children, who are quickly blossoming into science-loving foodies themselves. Prasanna, Allie, thank you so much for joining us on the DNS podcast. First of all, it's awesome to be back, and thank you, Christina, for this wonderful opportunity. Thank you for having us. So tell us about your paper and what you hope people will take away after reading it. Um, The topic um, that we chose was uh, diversity awareness in nutrition and dietetics. I realized the challenge as soon as I started um, researching uh, what struck me was the vastness of the topic. Uh, In fact, I used to joke with Ali Oh, I fell into another interesting rabbit hole today because there is so, so many wonderful initiatives, subtopics and uh, projects. Let's face it, the topic of diversity is going to be coming up a lot, as you can see from the world happenings and the changing demographics of this country. 
so to narrow it down, we approach the topic as uh, what would a practicing dietitian want to know about this topic? If anything, the pandemic pretty much sucked out all the time we had, even for our own little clinical projects. Um, and diversity topics, they have their own lingo. So what does uh, RDN need to know to feel caught up on this topic and yet be aware of all the wonderful opportunities that are out there and who it would benefit? Because this could be like a student you're mentoring, a coworker, or maybe even for yourself. Um, and, and I'll be honest, before um, I started researching for this topic. Um, I wasn't even aware of all the uh, the funds and the opportunities um, that were available to us. Ali, would you like to add to that? Yes. Um, so we really noticed that our field has been relatively stagnant in terms of demographics, um, despite the changing country. Um, it seems to be an issue in all of healthcare, but it is quite pronounced in our field. So we wanted to catch up before we fell too far behind, and we wanted to identify some actionable steps, as Prasanna mentioned, that current practicing dietitians can take right away, right now, to start working on improving the problem. What are the four tenets of the acronym IDEA as defined by the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics? IDEA, uh, as defined by the Academy, stands for Inclusion, Diversity, Equity, and Access. Uh, this is one of the most important concepts that we should all be aware of. Um, let's take diversity. Uh, diversity ensures a representation of individuals that come from a variety of backgrounds, styles, perspectives, values, and beliefs, uh, and to be seen as assets to the groups and organization with which they um, interact. Uh, these differences actually uh, may enhance the viewpoint of the organization. So when we think of diversity, um, there's quite a um, range really. Uh, it could be economic diversity, cultural diversity, uh, age, uh, differently abled um, um, people, uh, sexual orientation. Um, so all of this falls under uh, diversity. When you think of inclusion, uh, it's more the involvement and more importantly, the empowerment where um, the inherent worth and dignity of all people is recognized. Um, uh, simply put, uh, you know, inclusion can be uh, um, uh, about feeling uh, as a part of something or being a part of something. Um, equity um, is the concept where all members have opportunity to fully participate. Uh, so equity would include uh, maybe looking at the policies and procedures um, to, uh, to ensure fair treatment, access, opportunity, and also advancement for all people. Uh, it might be about uh, identifying and also eliminating uh, barriers that have probably historically prevented full participation of some of the individuals and um, groups. Um, access would refer to uh, commitment uh, for all, like everyone to be included in all of the programs and activities. Now both um, A&D and DNS, um, they recognize that these principles are very important. Uh, in fact, uh, the Academy um, has made this a cornerstone of its organization-wide 
uh, strategic plan. So we use the term idea a lot with DNS DPG, and I think our, our listeners will see that throughout the April 23 edition of Support Line. But kind of more generally speaking, how can we take those idea principles and then apply them to food and nutrition? So uh, the Academy, understanding the importance, like I said, and uh, it has already integrated it into its uh, strategic uh, plans. Um, and um, so we can, if you actually look at the goals that are set uh, by the Academy um, uh, from the action plan that it has set for us, um, you, uh, I can kind of highlight some of these goals and you can see how it goes along with the IDA. Um, uh, principles. One is to establish infrastructure and resources to improve these IDEA outcomes. Um, another is to increase recruitment, retention, completion of nutrition and dietetic education by the underrepresented group. It also plans to increase leadership in these um, underrepresented uh, groups. When we talk about uh, infrastructure, um, the IDA, I, IDA uh, committee was actually developed uh, in order to monitor outcomes and also regularly to, you know, update these uh, strategic uh, plan. Um, it offers like several programs, um, the uh, IDA liaison program, um, um, where what happens is the committee members actually collaborate with the academy's organizational units. So like the um, DNS DPG has like a IDA uh, liaison um, and the committee provides ongoing uh, mentorship to these IDEA liaisons and uh, in order to promote diversity related efforts in their own units and also to bring cultural competency to the uh, members. Um, and then we also have the IDEA le leaders program. So in this program, what uh, the Academy is aiming to do is to create leaders from the underrepresented groups uh, within dietetic uh, um, profession. Um, four leaders are usually selected to participate in a two-year leadership program. Um, and uh, so they are provided mentorship, leadership training, networking. Um, so this way, uh, we have more leaders from the underrepresented uh, groups. Um, and Ali, can you talk about the second goal? Yes. Yeah, I know Prasanna had mentioned the other goal that of um, increasing representation and retention of underrepresented groups in our field. So we first want to get more underrepresented dietitians into dietetics, of course. So there, this can help um, improve all of the tenets of IDEA just by improving the diversity and um, improving the, or expanding, I guess, our viewpoints through having other people, more a more diverse group with us. Um, so first we would want to kind of get more underrepresented dietitians here. So there are things that we can do like pipeline programs, which are educational programs that introduce nutrition and dietetics as a profession in K through 12 education. There was a study that we included in our paper um, that showed that many people did not get the influence to join the field of dietetics at that younger age. 
And it was more once they were already in college, um, they were more influenced by their professors and other dietitians that they came in contact with. So it can help to um, focus on communities where there are higher levels of individuals that are not traditionally represented in our field and start to foster an, an interest at a younger age so that they can start down that path right away. Um, so once we have more underrepresented folks in our field, we want to support them as much as possible. So there are some programs um, for mentorship, especially that uh, there are mentorship programs for students through a program called Diversify Dietetics. They specifically have one that helps with DICUS support for, or I'm sorry, DICUS application support um, and kind of more with getting into the internships. And then there are also mentorship programs for professionals through member interest groups like Nobodon that can kind of focus on keeping more underrepresented people supported throughout their career in dietetics. Um, and I know Prasanna had some more information on resources, scholarships, and grants as well, right, Prasanna? So um, the Academy since 1979 has had um, foundation awards and scholarships uh, for, for just the general uh, members, uh, but they do have about 19 of them um, listed where the uh, criteria for the scholarships actually focus on uh, supporting diverse members. Uh, for example, the uh, Advancing Diversity in Dietetic Scholarship. Uh, they also have the IDEA fund. Um, so there were about 137 scholarships that were actually awarded just in the last year. And this can actually help reduce some of the, the, the cost concerns that come with getting an education uh, to become a dietitian. Um, uh, I also love uh, some of the grants. Um, we have listed all of that in our article, but I'll highlight just a couple. Um, the IDEA mini grant, uh, so the Academy actually provides mini grants of about $100 to like $1,000 to support um, the organizational units like the DPGs and the MIGs to have programs uh, to uh, of outreach to students and professionals from underrepresented groups or, uh, for example, cultural sensitivity programs, maybe. So right now, these um, grants are limited to the IDEA liaisons. Um, in fact, the diversity edition that Christina uh, talked about uh, for support line in which our article appears is uh, funded by one of these uh, mini grants. Uh, DNS actually is a two-time recipient of um, this mini grant. Um, so you could think about um, uh, making use of um, these uh, mini grants. Um, the other one is the Excellence in IDEA Promotion Award. Um, so this award actually recognizes a member who has demonstrated excellence um, in promotion of IDEA. So someone who really uh, serves as a change agent, and we really need those. Uh, this year, uh, it was won by none other than our podcast host here, Ms. Christina. And um, it's been a pleasure working with her on this because this is really important work uh, for the future of dietetics. Well, thanks for that shout out, Prasanna. It was really exciting to win that award. And it was nice to 
be able to get up on the podium and showcase the work that DNS has done at the Academy's annual meeting last October. Absolutely. It was a lot of hard work. So how would you describe the the dietetics profession with respect to diversity now and where you hope to see it evolve in the future? Yes. So the most recent data that we got um, from the Academy and CDR Needs Satisfaction Survey from 2020, it indicated that 80% of dietitians right now are white and 93% are female. Um, So this really lags far behind the general United States population, which is about 60% white and 51% female. So we're absolutely hoping to get some other races, ethnicities, and genders more heavily represented. Um, We'd also love to see a little bit more data on, um, you know, where we stand as far as having individuals with differing abilities, different gender identities, Um, kind of getting a little bit more of that data to establish our baseline to see what we can improve upon there. Um, But so diversity, as Prasanna mentioned earlier, is so broad. So we did kind of focus on racial, ethnic, and a little bit of gender diversity. Um, But we would, the ideal would be to see us mirroring the United States population to accurately represent all the different groups. Um, But I think at least increasing the recruitment and the retention of some of these underrepresented folks is at least a good start um, to kind of get us more on track with the changing population. Is what you're describing in dietetics the norm across healthcare in the United States? Or is it, as you mentioned a few moments ago, dietetics really is an outlier? Yeah, so while it's definitely prevalent in healthcare, um, our specific lack of diversity is more pronounced. So to kind of compare us against other healthcare professions, we looked at the 2019 American Community Survey, um, which this is a demographic survey that's conducted by the Census Bureau. Um, And it was kind of shocking because um, we found that, according to the survey, um, APRNs, dentists, pharmacists, physicians, PAs, physical therapists, respiratory therapists, and nurses were all more racially and ethnically diverse than dietitians. Um, So we kind of used the marker of the percent of the respondents that identified as white to see the um, how compare how diverse I guess we were racially um, and ethnically with these groups. But all of those fields that I had mentioned before, the you know doctors, nurses, APRNs, dentists those were all less than 80% white, which is where we're at right now. Um, And interestingly, physicians were actually the closest to representing the general population with about 62% of them identifying as white. Um, So kind of as an aside, um, there seems to be more data on programs geared towards physicians and diversifying the medical field. So I do think that's kind of helpful. Like we can look at those as a framework to help our field. That's where we saw some information on the pipeline programs I had mentioned earlier um, and things like holistic admissions, um, things like that. Um, And then regarding gender um, from the American Community Survey, they found that about 75% of healthcare workers are female. So we're definitely a female dominated like profession field, I guess. Um, But we still stand out at 93% female. Um, That said, this is based on the need satisfaction survey and the only options for that survey 
in 2020 were male or female. So there may be some people um, that don't necessarily identify in either of those boxes that may not have been accurately captured. Um, and it would be interesting to see where we lie um, in regards to gender a little bit more. Um, but yeah, we're hoping to see some more options in future surveys to collect a little bit more data about that and see where we're at with gender representation. But it can definitely be inferred that we're very heavily female dominated. Prasanna, we mentioned in your bio that you studied food and nutrition in India before completing your postgraduate work here in the United States. What similarities or differences did you observe during that transition? Call me utopian. Um, there might have been uh, a few differences, um, but I see a lot of uh, similarities, especially with uh, regards to the spirit of the nutrition profession, uh, because the common denominator that I see is some of the hardest working healthcare professionals are in this field, uh, literally working against all odds, sometimes alone, sometimes in the backgrounds, uh, sometimes under-recognized, sometimes very underfunded, uh, to provide nutrition and, uh, you know, literally improve humanity. Um, I can't thank uh, enough the vision of um, my professors back home, you know, who in the eight, 1980s and 1990s uh, chose to fill their libraries with um, J-Pens and at that time, Jadas, um, because they saw us uh, working as a global community uh, in nutrition, kind of speaking the same language. I remember being inspired then, uh, just reading about, you know, what will all these international dietitians think of next? You know, there was all these studies about tagging leucine and lysine. Um, and, you know, it kind of reminded um, all of us that we are, we are indeed a global uh, community. I have to thank my professors here, you know, the preceptors, the mentors, uh, the physician champions, the leaders in our field, uh, my dietitian friends, um, who were able to see beyond the obvious differences and, and see what I could do, uh, listen to a different viewpoint, um, and also have an open mind and most importantly, trust that I could do it. Um, so like Maya Angelou says, in minor ways we differ, in major we are the same. We are more alike, my friends, than we are unalike. And I strongly believe in this because I work in a teaching hospital where we have students and uh, members from an international community. And we, we do do uh, learn so much. Uh, from the differences, and also from each other. Why do you both think that cultural competence is so very important to nutrition support practitioners in particular, and more so to the patients and families that we serve? So cultural competence specific to healthcare, um, for the listeners to kind of give a little bit of a definition, I guess, is um, understanding how culture affects patient behavior and health beliefs, and then taking the, these effects into consideration while we provide them with high quality health care. So really, it comes down to having a good understanding of your patient and then being able to provide them with the best care for them based on that understanding. So as a dietitian, if you're not culturally competent, it can be very easy to give totally inappropriate or inapplicable recommendations to someone to give 
a very, very basic example that I think more people might be familiar with. If a patient tells you that they're kosher, they should be able to trust that you understand that you cannot choose a tube feeding product that has pork ingredients in it. Or at least that if you don't already know that, that you kind of have the humility to know that you are not familiar and you know the right questions to ask to actually be able to accommodate them and provide them with appropriate appropriate recommendations, appropriate orders, et cetera. So considering, I think the cultural competence piece is especially important because of our lacking diversity right now, because we really, really need to put forth that effort to educate ourselves on the communities that we're serving so that we can provide better care. I know Prasanna had an interesting anecdote about this as well. I think uh, the one piece that I would like to add is uh, sometimes we are a little uncomfortable with, you know, approaching uh, differences. Uh, but coming from India, where uh, the differences are the norm, um, once we move past that initial discomfort and move into that respectful curiosity, it's a different dynamic. Uh, there's a, there's a rapport that's established, there's a trust, um, and then um, you literally are able to break barriers that you couldn't possibly do otherwise. I was serving on a nutrition-related committee recently, and an, another dietitian in the group, I think, summed it up really well, and she said that if you, if you think you don't need or would not benefit from training related to idea and cultural competency, then just go ahead and assume that you really, really need it, right? Because some, sometimes that self-assessment piece can, can is where we get tripped up and we think we're doing everything perfectly, but we have our blinders on and we don't really realize. So I think we can, I think we can all agree to move forward with, with the knowledge that we all need to improve our cultural competency, regardless of where we're starting from. And we are all truly kind of becoming global citizens. We don't know where the future uh, dietitians um, will go, right? Like you, you cannot assume that they will work uh, in their own place or especially if you are in a leadership position, you will be in situations where you'll have to cross that uh, cultural uh, barrier. So what can our listeners do to take those initial steps or continued steps to improve their own cultural competency? So I think the first piece that's important, just like you mentioned before, Christina, um, is being self-aware and having that cultural humility and to kind of be able to look inward, provide the self-assessment, see what work you need to be doing yourself, honestly. Um, but for concrete steps, there are lots of options depending on your abilities and your interests. Um, anything from taking advantage of books, webinars, resources available through your workplace, um, to volunteering at community centers, especially if you have community centers and maybe some more underserved communities. Um, and you could even travel abroad and take part in immersion experiences where you can learn about local food practices and beliefs. You could also take advantage of um, like diversity, equity, and inclusion committees in your workplace or places where you might be affiliated um, and take advantage of learning opportunities like workshops and webinars within your workplace, um, just as kind of basic starting steps. 
Um, I know Prasanna and I both have committees within our workplaces that we've certainly become more familiar with through this project. Um, and I think that it helps to learn from people with all these different backgrounds to kind of see where you can improve as a practitioner. Um, also, this isn't free, but I know I found that the Academy offers a cultural competency for nutrition professionals ebook. Um, and the nutri nutrition care manual also does have some quick guides for a few different cultures as well, just to familiarize yourself with some different practices and beliefs for specific cultures. Um, and then of course, DNS also has several resources. Um, Prasanna, did you want to touch on those? Absolutely. Um, so a good starting point would be the IDEA subpage of the uh, DNS um, website. Uh, it has several links to IDEA-related uh, resources and uh, articles. It's actually open access um, to everyone, not just the DNS members, and that was done intentionally so more people can uh, make use of these resources. Um, uh, these uh, podcasts, uh, they seem to be uh, very popular among uh, the dietitians talk about uh, multitasking, right? Like you could be doing other things, uh, but still uh, listening in on these um, podcasts. And again, these are uh, open access. They're available on Spotify, um, Apple uh, podcast, uh, Amazon Music, Overcast and Anchor. Um, so what we did was we curated a list of topics and I with the IDEA themes. Uh, to get you started. And these are all listed in our article. And uh, you can start there, but then I'm sure that there'll be more topics added on. Um, as uh, Ali mentioned, uh, volunteering. So if you want, you could get involved in the DNS um, IDEA committee. And um, so uh, you could get in touch with the DNS membership coordinator for that. Uh, you could share your ideas. I think, um, you know, uh, we, we all individually have done great things. We have to share those so that other people can be inspired and can make use of similar ideas. Um, so you could get in touch with the DNS executive coordinator if you have uh, diversity related ideas, or you can uh, submit a spotlight um, through the uh, academy uh, so that other uh, DPGs and MIGs uh, can use your ideas. Um, there are several mentorship opportunities. Um, so DNS has career mentoring and writing mentoring opportunities uh, that encourages uh, members of all backgrounds, both to be mentors and mentees. Um, right now, the Academy has um, um, opportunities for grant writing mentors for the IDEA uh, liaisons. Uh, and then of course, we talked about the, uh, taking a look at the scholarships and grants um, to see um, if uh, you or someone you know uh, can make use of that. And last but not the least, uh, if your facility does not yet have a diversity related committee, create it and the rest will follow. Uh, if it's not there, we create it. Well, with that, we will conclude today's podcast. Thank you both so much for taking time out of your schedule to chat with us today and for all you are doing to advance these concepts of idea within the nutrition and dietetics workforce. Thank you so much, Christina, for the opportunity. Thank you.
Listeners, to learn more about diversity in nutrition and dietetics, please visit our website at dnsdpg.org and be sure to check out the April 2023 edition of Support Line. Until next time, I'm Christina Rollins. Thanks for listening.